Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Morning, everybody. How's it going? Good. You're sounding particularly friendly today. Is that true? You're not going to throw things at me today then? Not like usual? No, just kidding. No, it's all right. Hey, so I'm glad to see you. I'm glad you braved the weather to get out here and be with us this morning at Lakeside. That's awesome. Uh, how many troublemakers do we have among us? Okay, well, put, the, put, put those back down. How many are, because this is kind of what that looked like, how many of you are here with a troublemaker? Oh, that's what I thought. How many of you know a troublemaker? Yeah, okay, very, I don't know, very interesting, you guys. So um, it just seems, I'm look, look at life, I'm always trying to evaluate life and see what's going on and who's doing what and all that kind of stuff. It's like, it just seems that there are some people that are born troublemakers. Would you think that's true? Yeah, that's probably true. There's some people that just seem to take pride in it. They just take pride in the idea that they can make trouble in this world. Yes? Do you know that if you choose to be a follower of Jesus, and, you, and, and not everyone here in the room is, I understand that. Some of you are still seeking God and trying to figure out who he is, and you're on a search for him. That's awesome. We're here to help you with that. But a lot of you are, have chosen in your life to become a follower of Jesus Christ, right? So when you choose to put your life in Jesus' hands and you decide to follow him, you join a long, distinguished line of troublemakers. Oh, you're liking this. All right, so open your Bible. Let's look. I want to show you this. Uh, Turn to Acts chapter 17. If you don't have a Bible, there's some on the seats near you, so you can reach over and grab one. We're going to read Acts chapter 17 and then see how this shakes out in our own lives. Acts 17. Verse 1, here's the story. When Paul, sorry, I'm thinking about some of you guys being troublemakers. I got distracted here. When Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath Sabbath days, he reasoned with them through the scriptures explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. So let's just stop right there and back up a little bit. Last week, if you were with us, you remember we talked about Acts chapter 16 a little bit, and Paul went to Philippi, his first city that he visited in Europe, He gets there and he finds out there's not a synagogue. There's not enough Jewish men. It took 10. There wasn't enough Jewish men there to create or form a synagogue. So they had a little prayer meeting down at the river. And yet when Paul goes on to Thessalonica, a little bit farther south uh, and over toward Athens, he finds there's a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, he goes in and they invited him as sort of the traveling rabbi. They said, hey, come in and teach us. You must have something to say. Come in and teach us. And so for three successive Saturdays, he went into their synagogue and taught them. And as a result of them hearing about Jesus as the Messiah, several Jewish people in the synagogue believed in Jesus. And they decided to cross the line of faith and follow after Jesus. And some 
Uh, God-fearing Greeks also chose that. Last week we saw at that prayer meeting in Philippi, there was a woman who was a merchant. She sold purple fabric. She was a God-fearing Gentile, God-fearing Greek. That was a technical term for someone who, who was interested and curious about the Jewish God, Yahweh, but they didn't want to convert to Judaism, but they wanted to worship him. They were, quote, God-fearers. And so there was a lot of those people now in the town of Thessalonica, and they put their faith in Jesus, and also quite a few prominent women who were there who also put their faith in Jesus. Now, verse 5. But other Jews were jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. And you can read along in the rest of the story. Now, it goes like this. Paul and his companions, they arrive at Thessalonica, and they start having conversations about Jesus. They're in the synagogue. They're reasoning from the scriptures. They're having reasonable conversations through the scriptures about Jesus and how the scriptures in the old, what we now call the Old Testament told through prophecy that the Messiah would come and that he would die for the sins of the world and for the sins of the Jewish nation, and he would rise again. And as they had these conversations, there were these people who began to believe. But there were other people, Jewish people in the synagogue, who got jealous. They're saying to their, their fellow Jewish people in the synagogue, it's like, what are you doing following, following after Paul and that message and all that? They got jealous about that. They grabbed some unsavory characters from the marketplace. They formed a mob, and they started a riot. And then they disparaged these Christians, this little band of Christ followers. They disparaged them to the city council. They said, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. They're troublemakers. Now, push pause for a second and think about the trouble that they'd been causing, the trouble that Paul and Silas and Timothy and those guys, what kind of trouble had they been causing? If you go backwards in the book of Acts, you'll find various stories as, the, as, as Paul and the others, they left uh, Antioch, which was up in the northern, uh, just north of Israel, and they went over into Turkey. They got to Turkey, and there's this little town called Lystra there, and in Lystra there was a man who was lame. He had never walked in all of his life. He was born lame, and they, they caused trouble. They healed him. They moved on to Philippi in Acts chapter 16, and they got there, and they found there was this young woman who was demonized. We sometimes call that kind of person demon-possessed. Her life was tormented by this demon, but the demon added economic value to this girl's master. So she's demonized, and she's a slave. She's being trafficked, not for sex, but for the thing that lives inside of her, this demon, because the demon had the capacity to tell the future. So this girl could tell the future to other people that would come. And so her master used that to make a profit. He could say to somebody else, if you pay me money, she'll tell you what's going to happen coming up in your future. She was trafficked. She was pimped for this guy's fortune-telling business. And the Christians came in. They said, we don't want to see this young woman terrorized. And we don't want to see this young woman be trafficked. And so they removed the demon from her. They disempowered that demon and set her free. 
troublemakers. They gave freedom of life to a young woman. Of course, they destroyed this man's business. I guess that's, I guess that's also making trouble. Everywhere these Christians went, there was a riot that broke out. Troublemakers. They had conversations about Jesus. They healed people. They drove out demons. And the people in Thessalonica had a riot because they said, you are troublemakers. They just preached a message of grace and forgiveness and compassion and generosity. And as I read stories like this in the scripture, I realize nothing disrupts the world like grace. Grace, is me- grace messes up the karma of things. Nothing disrupts the world like grace. Nothing challenges the world like generosity. That was the message of Paul and Silas and their companions. So people looked at them and they said, those people who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. And so then stop and ask the question for us here. What kind of trouble are we causing? In your life as a follower of Jesus, what kind of trouble are you causing? A year ago, just about a year ago right now, we set out as a church to cause some trouble. You may not remember it like that. If you were here with us a year ago, you're like, I don't remember. Like, did we have a vote? It was like, hey, let's cause trouble. I don't remember that. Like, let's go to the city council and let's cause trouble. I don't remember that. No, but about a year ago, we decided we're going to make a difference in this world all together as a church family. We're going we're gonna to set out for the next 10 years to change this world. We're going to offer grace. We're going to offer generosity. In fact, the theme of this whole troublemaking campaign was unleashing generosity to change our world. And when you unleash generosity in the world, it changes things. And when you change things in the world, you cause disruption. And people will look at you as a troublemaker. But as a church, we said, we just can't leave the status quo alone. We just can't let it be as it is. And so let's, let's change some things. We, had a, we journeyed out on a, on a project we called Next 10. And it's been a year. And I want to just stop for a, a moment today and say, let's just celebrate what God has done in changing the world over the last year. And let's look at the next two years. This is a, like a three-year journey to, of, of funding some things to be able to change the world over the next 10 years and beyond. And I thought, well, okay, we're at one-year anniversary. Let's just stop and celebrate what God is doing among us and the trouble that he's causing in this world through us. The... Next 10 initiatives, as we called it, consisted of three buckets. Let me describe these. Now, some of you were here last year, so you kind of know what we're talking about. This will be a refresher. Some of you are new with us since last February or so, and so you don't know exactly what was going on and what we were talking about. But basically, we started this this mission called Next 10, and we said we want to fill up three buckets with resources to be able to change this world. First bucket that we decided to fill up was a missions bucket. Now, we give a couple of different ways financially to missions throughout our church calendar. In May, we do an annual uh, conference where we talk about missions, we talk about our missionaries and people that we support in different parts of the world. But in the next 10 process, we thought, you know what? We could, we could raise some money and we could build something for somebody else. Not a program, not a project, not even a family, but to build something. And a lot of times, churches raise money to build stuff for themselves, right? And that's not bad. Every, every family needs a house, or at least an apartment. They need some place with a roof over their head. Every church family needs a house of some kind. 
And so obviously we have given resources before to build facilities for us. And on a day like this, we're really grateful that we have done that. But in this process, we said, let's, let's give some funds, not just for us, to build stuff for us. Let's give to others. And let's, let's fill a bucket up for others. And so in this mission bucket, as part of Next 10, this, these initiatives, there are three mission projects that we're trying to fund, or at least partially fund, either fully or partially fund. So there's a mission in Africa called Way Ministries. It's led by a lakesider named Mary Beth Sexton, and they are building a school. In fact, they're doing a lot of stuff. I'll get back to that in just a, mo- a moment. But we decided we're going to try and fund the entire purchase of property for their school. So on day one, weekend one of Next 10, we gave $200,000 to Wade Ministries in Malawi to, to look for property, to buy property. Now, they've been looking. They, have, they were negotiating for one, and that one fell through. The owner decided not to sell it to them, and so that didn't happen. They're still looking, but we've already contributed the money to make that happen. That's going to change that part of the world. Someone's going to call them troublemakers, and we invested in that. We also have in this bucket something not, not across the world, but across the street, kind of across town. Uh, we're funding Folsom's Hope. You're going to hear about this in just a moment, too. But Folsom's Hope is a ministry to care for needy children and families in our community. And they need a building. And we're going to provide the seed money to start that building, $300,000 to make that thing happen. We're going to invest in that. They're going to make trouble in our community in beautiful ways. And we're going to help fund that. And then the third piece in this bucket is a water project in Ethiopia. We believe that water is the most precious commodity on planet Earth. It's more precious than gold, which will not help you live. It's more precious than air because it's not as common as air, at least fresh water. It's not as easily accessible. It's the most precious commodity on the planet. And in Ethiopia, where we have some friends who do ministry, they don't have enough of it readily accessible we want to help them get that we want to cause some trouble and give some people something fresh to drink that's this bucket now the next bucket that we uh, are trying to fill up is one called protege we thought the church is always one generation away from this extinction as soon as the as soon as this generation of christians passes on passes off the scene then the church is done unless young people are coming up in faith And it seems harder and harder and harder to get the message of Christ into the lives of young people. We said, what if we could train up young leaders and raise up a whole generation of young leaders to be able to serve in Christ's church and to move the mission forward? What about that? What difference would that make? And so we're trying to fill this bucket. We're trying to put a million dollars in this bucket. That was our goal. We've pledged 500,000 to this bucket already. We now have five protégés serving at Lakeside Church being trained in the ministry five young people, all of whom grew up in our student ministries at Lakeside Church. And they're getting ready to go out and serve in the church and in the world and around the world for the sake of Christ. If we can fill this bucket up, we will will fund the training of 50 young people in the next 10 years. 50. That's amazing. They're going to cause some trouble. Then we have this bucket. This is called Ministry Freedom. This is about debt reduction. So we have some debt on that building next door. We have some debt on this building as well. 
We're going to pay off that one. It's about $2 million worth of debt. We're going to pay that off in the next three years or so. And when we pay that off, we're going to roll those payments over to this one and pay this one off. That's the goal. And in the process of that, we're going to free up resources to do more of the work that God's calling us to do. That's why we call it ministry freedom. What does God want to do through us? What next thing could he do through us? What, what lame person could be healed through us? Or what demonized person could be disempowered? A demon could be disempowered through us. We just had more resources to make that available. It's all part of a journey where we said, you know, let's, let's go out and be troublemakers together. So as we reached the first year anniversary of that, I thought, you know, it'd be just great to celebrate. It'd be great to stop for a minute and just say thank you. Because a lot of you, last year, when we got on this journey, you said, I'm in. And we asked you to fill out a commitment card. We said, hey, would you make a three-year commitment to this investment to see what God would do through us and among us in the next, you know, over the three years while we give those resources, but over the next ten years and beyond that as that carries out. And a lot of you stepped up and said, I'm going to do this. I'm in. And I just want to say thank you. I just want to stop today and say thank you for those of you who did that. Some of you never made a pledge, but you've been contributing to that. That's amazing as well. Some of you said, I can't make a pledge. But you've been praying for us in that journey. You've been praying for troublemakers. Maybe not by those words exactly, but that concept. And I just want to say thank you for that. We are today, we have not quite reached one-third of the way through the campaign, but we are over one-third in terms of the money that we've pledged together to put into that, pro- that program. Yeah, one. I think right now we're at $1.265 million that has been given to those three buckets over the last year. $100,000 over our normal offerings every month for the last year. That's amazing. Now, that's some of the facts, and I want to celebrate that. I want to say thank you. I'll come back to that. But I want, to, I want you to meet some people that are involved in these process. I want you to meet some troublemakers besides me today. All right? So um, we have five protégés. Let's start with that one. Let me introduce some protégés to you. There's five of them. They all grew up here in the youth ministries at, at Lakeside Church. Uh, one of them, the first one is Tony Butcher. Tony uh, is working in our high school ministry. He's right now up at uh, middle school camp. He's in charge of 40 high school students who are saying, I'm going to give up my weekend. I'm going to go serve in the rain and bluster and wind and mud, and we're going to serve middle schoolers. Where have you ever heard of high school students saying, I will serve a middle school student? There's a lot of other things that high school students do to middle school students, but serving is not usually one of them. And Tony's up there leading those kids to serve others. You can call that troublemaking if you want, or you can just call it Christ-honoring service. The next one is Taylor Caruso. Taylor is working in middle school ministries, which is why she looks like she does. Uh, in that picture anyway. So she, uh, she's also of a camp. She's responsible for 100 middle school students, which, you know, if she has hair at the end of this weekend, it'll be amazing. Uh, but she's given her heart to say, I'm going to make trouble with these middle school students, and I'm going to get them ready to send them out in the world and make a difference for Christ's sake. The next one is Jameson Hebert. Jameson, you saw on the stage here this morning. Not exactly in that pose, but, uh, but you saw him today. He's leading us in worship. Here's a young man. Uh, he just got married this last year. He and his wife changed their 
future plans, there are education plans and things to be able to make room for him to be here, to be with us, to lead us in worship, and at the same time to be trained to be a worship leader. That's amazing. And the fourth one is Brittany Knight. Brittany uh, serves in our Kids Fest ministry now. She spent some time in Cambodia a year or two ago where she was serving with Agape International Missions, the team that we sent our marriage group to serve uh, last fall. She served with them, but now she's back with us and she's serving in Kids Fest, helping our little ones figure out what it means to be a passionate and productive follower of Christ. And the fifth one is Ryan Huckabay. And I don't have a picture of Ryan because he's going to actually come up. So Ryan, why don't you come up now? Ryan Huckabay, nice hand for Ryan, please. All right, good morning, Ryan. Good morning. How are you? Good. Good. Uh, let's see. Tell us about your uh, tell us about your journey at Lakeside. What you, you've been here? How long? And how'd you get started? And things like that. Yeah. So I've been attending here at Lakeside since 2002. I was a freshman in high school, and we. My mom and I had been trying to figure out a church to go to for some weeks or another, and we kept driving by this building, decided, all right, let's try it out. Tried it out, we liked it, and then a few weeks later, started soccer, and then Pastor Brad was there as an assistant coach. So I took that as a clear sign that, all right, maybe maybe this is the church we need to go to. God is sending the pastor to my soccer team, so been here since. You were, you were part of my Oikos. Yes. Right, my little, my little network there. Yeah, awesome. So um, tell us then, what's your, what, in what area are you working here as a protege? Yeah, so I work in our outreach department uh, with Steve Wright. And so what we do is we want to unleash the church to love our neighbors who are outside of these walls, um, to get into our, our, our oikoses, and to just love on people that are outside. Yeah, tell everybody if they're, not, if they're new at this what an oikos yeah, is. Yeah, absolutely. So our oikos is um, a, a term that we use to describe the people that are in your lives, you know, the 8 to 15, or for like me right now, there's two people that you can pour into <laughs> to show Jesus to, um, to just love on them, and then hopefully you'll invite them into church, invite them into your lives, so that way they know Jesus. All right, and so how many hours, I don't know if this is the same for all of our protégés, but how many hours are we asking you to serve at Lakeside these days? Uh, so I'm serving 20 hours here. Um, yeah. okay. 20 hours here, but and you're, you're also a married you're yes. Mar um, uh, we have two protégés who are married, three that are single, I think. So you're married yep. and have a family. Yep, married uh, to my wife, JC. We have, we've been married for five years. We have two kids. Uh, we have a two-year-old son and a one-year-old daughter. And you also have a job yeah, besides so, protégé? Well, besides, yeah, we have things called bills, and so we need to take care of those somehow. So I work full-time at Vision Service Plan, or VSP. I've been there for about eight years. So you're working there full-time. You're working here half-time, which mm -hmm. sometimes becomes full-time. Yes. And you're also, that's not all you're doing with your no, life. No, no. So um, I believe in education. I love going to school. I'm a learner. So I go to Western Seminary to take master-level classes uh, so I can get my master's degree. And you have how many units this This semester? semester I'm taking nine, so that's about three classes. Do you ever sleep or see your wife? <laughs> a little bit of both, right? A little <laughs> Okay. All right. So that's awesome. That's just, that's a huge commitment that you're making to make this happen. What is your, like, why'd you do this? You've got a job, you're, you know, what's your, what's your goal of being involved in Protégé? What's your, what's like, what's your ministry goal? So for many years now, God's been putting on my heart that the local church is an amazing place to be able to, to be a part of, to work in, um, to help move forward. And so what I want to do is work full-time at a local church, um, whether it's here or who knows where, 
And so that's why I decided to, you know, go to Western Seminary to work here part-time to get some exposure in ministry and to participate here. Yeah, awesome. And then tell us about your, what's your assignment? What, are, what does Steve Wright have you working on these days? So this year is going to be an amazing, awesome year full of these just great things that we're going to do. There's three events that I'm primarily in charge of helping to make happen. The first one is the Leadership Summit, which is going to be in early August. And what that is, it's an opportunity for us, everyone here, to learn about leadership and to enhance our leadership abilities. Uh, so that's in early August. And then in October, we're doing something we're calling the Fall Festival. So this is kind of a brand new thing we've really not done before, maybe in different avenues. We're going to take the empty lot that's out there on the corner, bring in a bunch of carnival games, a bunch of giant amusement rides, a bunch of food, and a bunch of fun, and create it and create an, an atmosphere uh, for people in Folsom to be able to come to attend, bring their families to, you guys can bring your friends to, your family, and just have a fun time here on our property. And then after that, in December, we're doing uh, what's called Christmas Mall, and we're partnering with Powerhouse Ministries, which is here in Folsom. Um, in Christmas Mall, what we're going to do for that, because it's kind of nebulous, is we're taking all the classrooms upstairs, and we're going to transform those into different stores, basically. We're going to have a toy store, a women's store, a men's store, sports store, everything like that. And the people from Powerhouse can come here and then go to those stores and do some shopping and get some items that they need for the, that way their Christmas uh, will be amazing. Yeah. So that's, those are the things we're working on this year. All right. And if, that, and if your plate's not full enough... I think we added something to you a couple days ago yeah. as well. Mm -hmm. Another, it's like another something to do. Yeah, it was great. So um, they gave me another plate <laughs> is really what happened. I'm like, well, that one's full here. So oh, actually, it's act this one's really exciting. And hopefully you guys will, will be able to attend it. In May, we're, do we're hosting what we're calling an Oikos conference. And at it, we're going to have a speaker who's um, helped develop some of this, the, the method, I guess you could yeah, say, for Oikos, the concept for it. And he's going to come and speak to us and describe... What, how we can actually do this whole Oikos thing, some, some application, some encouragement, um, and some, the heart behind it. That way we can be better equipped to really reach our Oikoses. Yeah. So that's coming up in May. Um, I remember the date. Maybe May 1st. May Friday, 1st. Save the date. Friday night, May 1st. Yep, put it on your Oikos calendar. Conference. Yeah, awesome. Okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm exhausted. <laughs> you know what people call someone like Ryan? A troublemaker. Who'd have known? We're out there. We're out there running around. I'm coaching soccer. Who would have known that, that one of these young guys is going to grow up, be a passionate follower of Jesus, and be a troublemaker in the world to change the world for Christ's sake? Who knew? What if we could multiply that by fifty? That'd be amazing. I think so. That's just beautiful. And all five of those leaders that we have in that program right now are the caliber level of Ryan. What a gift God has put in our lap to be able to say, let's coach and encourage and teach and train and unleash them to change the world. That's one bucket. That's one piece of what we're doing. For the next 10, when you are saying, hey, we're contributing, we're making this happen, we're praying for this, that's what you're contributing to. That's amazing. It'll be okay back there. <laughs> All right. Next one.
Next one is, uh, let's go back to our mission budget. Let me tell you a couple of things and introduce you to somebody else in our missions bucket program. So talked about Malawi and how we gave $200,000 to our missionary in Malawi. Mary Beth Sexton is a lakesider. You know, a lot of times we support missionaries overseas who were, they came to us from someplace else. They said, hey, would you give us some money? Would you support us in what we're doing? We're like, oh, that sounds good. We'll do that. But Mary Beth grew up among us in her faith. She was a part of Lakeside. She went to Malawi on a short-term mission trip. While she was there, she said, I could help these people. And she came back. She sold everything she had. She got a bunch of her friends to sell everything they had. They combined all that money. She went back to Malawi, and she started this ministry called Way Ministries. It's a, there's a couple of things. She, well, there's a couple of titles that she's got going in terms of ministries, but she's got several schools, preschools, day schools. She's got teacher training schools. They work with about 180 children in their, through their church every weekend. They're street children. They've got this property that they're trying to purchase with the money that we provided through Next 10. Amazing things that they're doing, that she's doing in Malawi. We've sent another Lakesider, uh, Kelsey Ziegler, to be with her this year as well, just trying to make that thing go forward. So when you're praying for our next 10 process and for the mission that's going on through them, pray for them. They are troublemakers in that culture. But the same thing that happened in, in the New Testament when the Apostle Paul and the others went out to, to talk about Jesus and to proclaim Jesus as the Messiah, the same thing that happened to them happens to people like Mary Beth when they go out and they say, I'm going to serve Jesus in this way. And so there's been some opposition, there's been some challenges that they've faced, some really hard things that they've faced in the last several months. And so don't forget to pray for them. They need our prayers to be able to do what God's calling them to do. And they're being faithful to do it, so let's pray for them. Now, another person I want you to meet regarding our mission bucket from Next 10 is... Uh, someone who's leading the Folsom's Hope ministry right here in our town, about two or three miles away from this site. And so, Sawa, come on up. This is Sawa Kasabian. Nice hand for Sawa, please. Morning, Sawa. Morning. How are you? Good. Good. You, li- you like this public speaking gig, right? I love it. It's yeah. my favorite part of what I do. <laughs> Your nose is growing. Yeah. Exactly. No. So, um... Yeah, so Sawa leads Folsom's Hope. Tell us a little bit about what that, what is, what is Folsom's Hope? What do you do? Sure. So Folsom's Hope really um, is, well, Folsom's Hope is Jesus, ultimately. Uh, but it really is a way here in Folsom, uh, about seven years ago when I took my own kids um, to Theodore Judah Elementary School. And my eyes were open to the need right here in our city. Um, and really, what do you do about that need? So Folsom's Hope has grown into um, a nonprofit that really has come alongside the public school, um, Theodore Judah, Blanche Flints. We've extended to Sutter Middle and the Continuation High School, Folsom Lake as well, with some programming to come alongside and say, how can we help the school do what they're doing better? How can we help address uh, the needs of the kids that um, are struggling for a variety of reasons to come alongside and bless the school and to help and love on the children? So how is that going? What kind of success rate? That's not a, that's not an easy population to serve and to care for. What kind of fruit are you having through that? Uh, so definitely, what we've seen is um, kids who, you know, it's not that they're not capable; it's that they just don't have the proper tools to be successful. So um, as a result of mentoring, after-school programming, a variety of things, we've definitely seen some fruit. 
um, and I wanted to read to you as in years past, we've been able to measure through academic star testing, the results of reading and math, we see a huge um, gain for these kids in, this, in the after-school program. Well, the star testing went away, <laughs> and I was writing uh, an end-of-the-year report for one of our largest funders for the after-school program and wanted to be able to show them some measure of success. And so I reached out to a teacher um, of a little boy that she had had two years in a row, one year without stars, the next year with stars after-school program. And this is what she wrote when I asked her what the change was that she saw in this boy who's, whose name I've changed. Last year without stars, Bobby brought in very few homework assignments ever. Weeks and weeks of papers and awards would sit in his backpack. This year, a struggle at first as he is the youngest stars kiddo has been an amazing change. I cannot say that I see an increase in helping others, which is one of the questions that I had asked her. He has so much to do um, to just keep just keeping up and making sure he's eating. I've learned that if he doesn't eat, he's a monster. So this year, this struggling student isn't struggling anymore. I have always felt that if he had someone to help support him, there would be no reason for him being behind. Last year, I used every in-house resource, tutors, and, and helpers I could to help that kid catch up. This year, because he is going to STARS, he is turning everything in, projects, daily work, and this has helped him become a normal, regular, quote, I'm not worried about you now, kiddo, end quote. He is proud of his efforts. He loves to turn in book reports early. He loves to show off his projects. He is organized. Someone actually looks through his backpack and is on top of him, just what a little boy needs. STARS is providing the mothering, attention, love, and organization that he did not have before. I think this is a game and life changer for him. It is hard for me to picture in our community that a child could be so busy trying to remember to eat and to figure out how to eat that he can't get his other stuff done when you guys are touching him. Awesome. So um, you're, you meet on a, primarily, I think, well, you've got three or four schools now you're working with, but you're going to build a building on the school property at Theodore Judah School. Tell us about that miraculous story. Sure, it is a miraculous story. So um, again, in this journey, knowing that this is something God had called us to, um, our uh, school superintendent, Debbie Betancourt, who is also a troublemaker, <laughs> <laughs> I love her. We've grown to be friends through this journey, and she loves the Lord and is very bold in her leadership um, who the Lord believes she's appointed there for this season. And um, in her words, she will tell you that Theodore Judah, so 50 years ago, the school district purchased 13 acres of land for Theodore Judah, and every other school in Folsom Cordova has 10 acres of land. So in her words, God's set aside this three acres of land for us. And so um, with her help and advocacy, the school board voted unanimously about two years ago to lease us that land just adjacent to Theodore Judah, that three acres of land for a dollar a year for 66 years with an automatic lease renewal. So long after you and I are here, that building will be there. Um, so we're moving forward with that piece now. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that, that doesn't happen. That is just God saying, I wanna work through people like Sawa and people like Lakesiders and others around our community who volunteer to say, I wanna be involved. I wanna bless these children and their families and see something happen. And God is right smack in the middle of that. Uh, um, who 
does all this work? Do you have do you do this all by yourself, or do you have volunteers? Everything. No. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, somebody asked me recently, and I want to say we ended last school year with about a hundred volunteers at the various school sites helping out uh, for sure. And I definitely have key people um, at each school site that help me do what I do. I I'm a wife and a mother first. <laughs> I have three kids of my own, and so. Um, there's no way I could do all of this on my own. So I definitely rely a lot on um, volunteer support. Yeah. So in addition to what we're doing with Next 10 and finance, we're trying to finance or, or support $300,000 of this building. That's We're just trying to seed that. It's not the building's going to cost more than that, but we're just trying to seed that so that other people will come along and say, hey, Lakeside's already in. Who else can be in? What can I do to help make this thing happen? So that's amazing. In addition to that, Saul was going to be out in the lobby today, and some of you might get inspired by that and just want to stop by and, and see her. And maybe some of you want to volunteer to help uh, with Wholesome's Hope as well. That would be awesome, too. Yes? That yes. would be awesome. Yeah. All right. Good. Saul, thank you very much. God bless you. It is really amazing what God can do when his church gets together and in a manner of speaking says, let's cause some trouble. Let's team up together. Let's join up together to do something that could change this world. That could change our community and that could change the world. And again, my goal today is to celebrate you and what God is doing through you, us, to say thank you for all of those things, for all of you who are contributing to that, thank you for that. You're in. You're in on it. We are in on it together. Now, a lot of you last year, you said, um, I'm, I'm in. I'll, I'm going to sign a pledge card, and I'm in. And you've been fulfilling that pledge over the last year. Thank you for that. Some of you, again, weren't able to do, weren't able to make a pledge last year for any number of reasons. But some of you who didn't make a pledge have been contributing very faithfully over the last year anyway. That's fantastic. And so I thank you for that. Uh, some of you were in a spot last year where you said, I, we just can't do it. And we say, oh, we understand that. That's, that's, it would be weird if every single person in the whole church could contribute equally to something like that. That wouldn't make sense just in terms of how life goes. But some of you in the last year have gotten to a spot where maybe resources are being freed up or something, and you might say, hey, I want to get in on that. Or maybe some of you weren't with us last year at all. Maybe you've come to Lakeside in the last year, and you wonder about some of the stuff that's going on. It's like, how can I get involved in this or that? Well, if you want to get involved in Next 10, uh, Mike Klockenbrink, who's our business administrator, is going to be out at another table next to Saul, was in the lobby afterwards today, and he's just going to have some brochures available, some commitment cards available, and as you say, I want to be in. Stop by the table and see Mike, and you can ask questions. On February 26th, up in room 216, we're going to host a meeting, really for newcomers to Lakeside in the last year, or for anybody else who has questions or would like some answers. We're just going to talk through, what does this look like? What's the next two-year part of this journey of Next 10? What's it look like, and how can you be involved? No pressure, low-key, invitation, conversation. You listen to God and say, God, what do you want me to do? But my primary goal today is not fundraising. My primary goal today is praise raising. To say, Jesus, you're doing amazing things among us, remarkable, wonderful things among us. And 
I could have a dream for Lakeside Church, it would be that we fulfill the biography of Paul and Silas and their partners and that we would be troublemakers in this world. If you're a follower of Jesus who is filled with God's spirit, you have the capacity to be a troublemaker for Christ in this world. And when the church gangs up to do that, remarkable things can happen. So thank you. I celebrate you. I celebrate what God is doing in your life and through your life and through our lives at church. I'm delighted that you're here to be a part of it. I pray for you to be a troublemaker in the name of Jesus. Those people who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. May it be so. Jesus, thank you for this. You're good all the time. You do amazing things through us. You remarkably have turned over your mission to a bunch of people who don't do it perfectly, who don't always do it right, who fumble along the way. But you invite us to be part of who you are and what you're doing in this world. And so, Jesus, thank you for that. Thank you for my friends here in the room, all the ones who have been with us all weekend at our various gatherings. Thank you that you're willing to work through us. I pray you'll pour out resources on us. I pray you'll pour out resources through us. I pray that this city, this community, and this world would not be the same because this church exists. And Lord, I don't pray it just for Lakeside Church. I pray for the other churches in our community who are also partners at Folsom's Hope and are partners in other things that are going on in this world and that are serving you. Bless them as well. But Lord, raise up your church to make a huge impact in this world so that people's attention comes to you so that when they start to think about you, they will think about what Paul was teaching 2,000 years ago, that you are the Messiah. And you had to die for us and you had to rise again for us in order to redeem the world. Lord, thank you for all these things. We love you. We celebrate you. We're grateful to you. Amen.